to the ground. Way out west there was this fella, fella I want to tell you about. Fella by the name of Jeff Lebowski. At least that was the handle his loving parents gave him. And he never had much use for it himself. This Lebowski, he called himself the Dude. Now, Dude. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of the film, The Big Lebowski. The Dude King, he came up here in peace, Western. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Providing insight, commentary, and conjecture. Did they have bowling in the Old West? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs. What the hell are we doing here? Well, we're discussing uh, The Big Lebowski, the first 60 seconds. First 60 seconds of The Big Lebowski. And that includes... Including the Universal logo animation in the beginning. Right, and I don't, it's a significant portion of the first 60 seconds, and we have to keep in mind, and full disclosure, we are watching the Netflix version of this. So the DVD version might be slightly different. There's probably some other uh, companies, producers, whatever, logos on the front of this thing if you're watching it on a DVD or Blu-ray. Um, but Netflix, it just starts with that Universal Studios yeah. animation. And there could be different Universal Studios animations for different versions. I don't really know, but it's, it's possible. Right. I have a feeling that uh, the, mo- the Blu-ray that just came out not too long ago probably has the 100-year anniversary uh, animation of Universal, which and we talked about this uh, briefly in our pre-production meeting that... <laughs> It's actually different. The 100-year anniversary is different than prior versions of the animation. And not just because it looks cooler and has more pizzazz, but if you watch the animation closely, the first however many years, 90 years, started somewhere over Eastern Asia, Japan, Philippines, somewhere in there, pulled out across uh, the sub-Asian continent across Cambodia, over the Bay of Bengal, over the Indian Peninsula, Arabian Sea, um, across Saudi Arabia, Horn of Africa, and then started to really pull out to reveal the Atlantic Ocean so that the globe was spinning just so North America was hitting on the apex of the animation. And they changed that in the most recent version. They start somewhere over Central Europe. Um, And since the shafts of light only shoot up through land, it's kind of harder to tell where they start exactly on the current animation because that that, uh, southern Asia has lots of little pockets of land and it's easier to identify where you are. So I don't know whether that's interesting, but I thought it was interesting. So are you, so, but in both versions, both the, the, so we're talking about, let me just be clear, we're talking about two different Universal Studios animations one let's say is the 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 old one the one that they've used you said like for like the last 90 years or so and then we have the 100 anniversary the 100th year anniversary one and to to be clear there have been different versions of the animation um with technology and 3d animation advances like I don't know how often, every five or ten years or four years, they do another version of it. 
but the physical space that the 3D camera, quote unquote, tracks through has been the same for all of those versions. Since okay. they started with, uh, going back at least decades, 20, 30 years. So, but, but in both versions, it ends with North America, though. Correct. North it always ends America. in the same place. It just starts okay. in a different place. So this could be a question of, is just maybe perhaps changing the speed at which the globe is rotating or the camera is sweeping across the globe, perhaps, or the, a le- different length of time of the music, of the, of the, uh, of the clip, maybe the musical score is somehow different. So perhaps it's really a question of where it ends, not so much where it begins. And that could be. That could be. And I, I don't know if you've seen the 100-year version yet, but they really kicked it up, and it's borderline spectacular. So the 100-year version is not, just to be clear, it's not the version on Netflix. No, no, we don't. We okay. don't. Now, it might be on the Blu-ray. I haven't seen might- the recently released Blu-ray. But if, okay. if you watch it on Netflix, which is our frame of reference, it's the older version. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they just wanted to be, like, the rays of light are so glittery, and there's little pieces of atmosphere, and the land has such texture, and, like, it's shiny and slick. So maybe they just wanted to be on that longer, and they found that going over land so they could have more shafts of light was a better way to do yeah, it that could be it. i mean well they want so i, I would say this is the case they don't you know people have all these huge televisions you know blu-ray 1080p they wanted to really make this logo shine right right so but just but, imagine know, the number of meetings that people had to go yeah, through just exactly. to get That's like just to thinking. change the origin of where the camera starts right. how many like you know the first one it could have been like oh it starts you know over uh the Middle East, and they're like, well, that's that's too controversial <laughs> right, right now. Right, right. You know, we don't want Sean Hannity knocking on our door. <laughs> Let's stop it. Let's start it, like, you know, a little more a little more to the east. Let's extend it a little bit. Okay, so we start in London. That's no good. We need to represent more of the globe. That's no good. If we start in London, it's mostly ocean. Come on. There's no rays of light. Get real here. But it's interesting they chose... Central Europe, not necessarily a hub of filmic what have you. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the new hub. Maybe it is. They do a lot of they do a lot of filming. Actually, don't they do a lot of filming in like the Czech Republic and stuff? You know, nowadays? they do. Now that I'm thinking is that about a new it, hotspot. Inland Empire was shot in Eastern Europe. Mostly. It was. You know, a lot of that took place over there. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, it would be very interesting. Once we're done analyzing Lebowski, minute by minute, analyze Inland Empire. You know, I haven't been able to watch it again since. It, it could create a black hole within my mind and in which it will destroy my entire body and universe. Imagine so. diving. Like, Big Lebowski is basically a fun romp that you can go, and it's yeah. It's not, it's, you know, it's just fun. Everyone loves Lebowski. Everyone loves Lebowski. Well, but most everyone. Well, either they do or they don't. But it doesn't, it doesn't tend towards oblivion like Inland Empire, like you were yes. hinting at. And well, getting deep Lebowski, into Inland Empire is a scary proposition. Yeah. I mean, Lebowski can be enjoyed on so many levels, right? You so can just enjoy levels. it like, oh, this is a fun, like, stoner movie. Right. Or, they, oh, it's like, uh-huh. a, it's funny. It's kind of absurd comedy. Right. They, they're bowling. Like, ha ha. Look, yeah. they made a movie yeah, about he bowling. Likes, yeah, he likes drinking white Russians. Right. Uh, Which I, but, <laughs> yeah, but you, there's so many different levels, you know, of of not just, like, 
filmmaking technique and, you know, storytelling technique, but also just, you know, philosophy. Yeah. And and different shades of meaning like that can be analyzed here. Thematically, the movie is more dense than I realized, and I already knew it was pretty dense, but uh, analyzing this on a minute-by-minute basis like we're doing, incredibly dense. Yeah. And just the first 60 seconds, it's half it. of which is the opening animation. Yeah. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I've started with is this first 60 seconds. Now, I've seen the <laughs> movie too. probably 50 times in its entirety, As have give I. or take a few. But, you know, yeah, yeah in terms of the deep dive... I've only started with the six. I don't want to. I don't want to work ahead. No, you, I want to work right now, right here. Just focus on this, on the sixty seconds. So, you know, I'm going to bring up an, another uh, thing I noticed, and this happened both watching Lebowski on the on Netflix, both on my computer and on my PS3. Okay, is that if you start trying to like scan ahead or backwards it kind of netflix does that thing where it kind of shows like a bunch of thumbnails like, oh, yeah. like on a carousel right for some reason if you do that the very first thumbnail of the movie is a then shot on of the walter cliffs, right so you see it too yeah it's not yeah. just me yeah no it's walter and 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 jeffrey aka the dude walking right. up the cliff like where C- they have committing donnie's, ashes. donnie's ashes to the bosom yeah. of the pacific ocean so there you go. There's already an Easter egg we uncovered so here of sorts. is that intentional? Because the next think, thumbnail is the universal animation. Yeah, I don't think it's it's intentional. I think it's some weird glitch in the Netflix system. But, but it know, is odd because it's not the very end so of the many movie. Times, yeah, well, after watching this so many times on Netflix, like I've come to know that thumbnail. <laughs> right? Like that's my little familiar like – Oh, oh I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting. I'm I'm going back to the beginning of the movie to start it over. Boom! There's that thumbnail. Yeah, that's it, a good one. I like that. And you know the the fourth thumbnail, if you look at it. So the first thumbnail is the weird Easter eggy, glitchy uh, Walter and Jeffrey ascending the cliff face, and then there's the Universal animation takes up two thumbnails, and the fourth is our first shot of the film. Dare, dare I get into the actual film? I'm just going to make the leap, though. But the sure. fourth thumbnail is sort of the desert scrub brush kind of first shot we see. We're tracking close over the ground of the desert right outside L.A. And if you look at the composition, even of those thumbnails, your eye is drawn to the bottom left corner. Um, the cliff face has a couple of rock features that point to the bottom left corner. You see Walter is just stepping onto that. Um, mm-hmm. And the scrub brush, there's two main pieces of scrub brush with a shadow penetrating, sort of streaking across the screen from top right to bottom left. And that's just a random, interesting thought. But you have to wonder about composition and production design and how much of that you know traditionally you want to work left to right and top to bottom your eye wants to be drawn to the right and slightly up so maybe i'm thinking about it backwards maybe they are actually maybe it's more of like an arrow pointing up and to the right rather than pointing down and to the left yeah i see the arrow pointing up to the right i mean yeah i mean there's different ways of looking at it and that's what's so fascinating about the movie is all the different alternate interpretations but really 
you know, when we're done working on this minute by minute, we could always go back and do a frame by frame analysis. You know, I think we should, and it might take several hundred years, but it would be worth it in the end, I think. I it's, think it would. It's I funny mean, to me because the arrow, again, pointing up and to the right. So this is ascension, you know, and they are saying goodbye to Donnie at this point. Donnie, who's ascending into the ether or wherever. Now, did they did they search for a rock structure that had that arrow embedded in it? Or did they just find a cool place to shoot? Yeah, I mean, perhaps it's just accidental, right? Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. You know, and, and just to be clear, just to make sure everyone listening still is following along, we're still talking about that that first frame on Netflix. Not even the so, first frame, just the first thumbnail. You don't actually thumbnail. see that You never frame. actually see it, yeah. Right. Just if try you, to scan back on, on Netflix, and you'll see this picture of, yeah, grab of Walter the, and the dude. Grab the little scrubber bar down on the bottom if you're on Netflix and just drag it all the way to the left. And there they are. And as soon as you release, it goes away and goes to black. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we covered the animation, unless there's something more you wanted to say about that. No, I think, I, yeah, I think we've, we've, we've said enough about that for now. Um, so are we ready to do it then? <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think so. Let, let's go in. We'll start the show now. Okay. Now we can begin. Uh, let me just watch the tail end of this universal animation one more time. It really puts me in the mood. So before we even see any picture, we get strains of this music coming in. And I have to tell you, 1998, I went and saw this in the theater. Um, what did we know of the Coens up to this point? Uh, Fargo, Fresh in Our Mouths, yeah. Barton Fink. Raising um, Arizona think, was one of my favorites. Well, of course, Raising Arizona. But I'm talking like, yeah. you know, I was very excited to see this movie. And it wasn't based on the strength of Raising Arizona, because that was 80s, long time ago, right? Right, right. Fargo, though, great. Loved it. Very different than Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, any of those. Hudsucker Proxy. Loved it, though. I was only psyched out of my mind to watch basically what looked like a kingpin-type movie, but done by the Coen brothers. And I was thinking, what could this possibly be? Right, exactly. I don't kingpin, know, but I'm that's, ready. That's, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> comparison, right? Well, the kingpin. You know, quasi-stoner you know, bowling movie. Yeah. Which, you know, kingpin was okay it was it was humorous right but that really kind of like sets if you, you know having that set your expectations going in you know you're Puts really you in a weird place to experience yeah, you're really this ready movie for your mind to be twisted twisted I, bad i walked out of the theater and i think i saw it with i want to say my brother dave and sean charlesworth i think the three of us went to see that yeah. and the movie ended we walked out of the theater there in state college i think we went to the five no the one out by the mall whatever that was at the time the six and none of us said anything we walked out through the lobby quietly no words literally no words open the doors it was probably cold and gray and rainy walked to the car still not speaking 
we all three got into the car, closed the doors, and Sean didn't start the car right away. And we all just kind of sat there. And I forget who it was, but somebody turned to the other two and said, what did we just see? And none of us (laughs) were sure if we even liked it. In fact, I remember thinking, I don't like this movie. They just failed. They have failed. Yeah. Well, I think, again, with talking about all the different layers possible in there, I mean, I think the first time you see it, just seeing it once doesn't do anything. Nothing. Right? The movie only becomes at all interesting maybe after you've seen it eight times. (laughs) I mean, that might be exaggeration. I did enjoy it more the second time. I'm not going to sit here and say you need to watch it eight times. Uh, Your point is taken, but second time was definitely better. But it was, again, a rental. You know, I wasn't rushing out to buy it. Mike's video, 49 cent. And I probably waited two years. You know, I was like, well, I guess I'll give that another chance. Yeah. Well, actually, so I did not see this movie in the theater when it was out. I remember being out in the theater. um, For whatever reason, I just never managed to, to get there to see it Hmm. um and the first time i saw it was i think shortly after it came out on video and i watched it i believe i watched it with you well actually i know i watched it with you it was definitely in your apartment this was one two three high street no this was when you lived above mcclanahan's Ah, okay watched it there with you and your brother dave yep and that was the first time and i definitely enjoy i mean I I loved it the first time, but probably I didn't love it. Like you know, with any movie, you can't tell, right? No movie, right? Give give any in two thousand and one. Well, that might be okay. That might be the exception that breaks the rule, right? Think of any great films of film history, right? Like I don't think at the time you know. Just the same way in history, like you can't really predict like what are the events happening right now that are going to be important. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, right? You need this time to, right. to kind of build right. up. So the first time I saw it, I was like, that was incredibly entertaining. <laughs> I laughed my ass off, you know, hugely enjoyable. What I have said after the first time I saw it, like, well, that's one for the canon of the history of film. No. No, I probably no wouldn't way. have said that. And you actually enjoyed it. And yeah. I didn't enjoy it. So there was no canon talk at all for us. Yeah. In fact, so, it was like a black mark on the Coen brothers' record up until that yeah, point. Yeah. And I want to make one more point before we go too far. Just We talked about um, having Kingpin sort of be your frame of right. reference for this movie <laughs> exactly. and what a twisted yeah. experience. But in, also in 1998, I don't know if you remember this movie, A Simple Plan, Sam yes. Raimi movie with Bill Paxton and Billy Bob, yeah. came out the same year. And both of them kind of had this, oh, we're going to steal a million dollars. A simple plan had the plane crash, and they go yeah. out there to like, ooh, there's a yeah. million dollars. Let's try to keep it. And Lebowski, they were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist movie. Like they right. couldn't decide on it. First it was like stoner bowling movie. Then all of a sudden it was uh, Walter saying, why don't we keep the whole million? It's like, wait a minute. I thought this was a stoner bowling movie. Now all of a sudden it's a heist what the F yeah. is this? Yeah. Well, clearly, you know, the movie is not marketable in <laughs> period a, as what it is, right? <laughs> I think it's marketable because, again, you, again, like you said, you can market it as a heist movie, as a stoner movie, as... Um, but if you're marketing it as everything, then really you're marketing it as nothing. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. There was obviously some some problems there with with you know staying on message. I think, but um, you know, to actually market the movie like it is, like there's a lot of times where I'll see a trailer. You know, the trailer looks really good, and I go see the movie, and the movie is nothing like the trailer. Right. And I always think to myself, well, why didn't the movie? Why wasn't the movie like the trailer? Because they realized, oh, this movie should be a certain way. And they built the trailer to kind of I – th- I think they sometimes make the trailer. Like, let's make this trailer look like the movie we wish we made. Right? <laughs> and – but, you know, there's sometimes like, – there's a trailer. Like, there's just misma- mismatches, right? Like, I see a trailer that makes it seem like, oh, this is a serious epic. You know, like a historical epic – of you know emotional dramatic right you go see it and it's like a comedy or something you know they they have a weird goofy sidekick in it and it's just like why what like no. why did you throw the sidekick in there like it's the, they didn't put him in the trailer they realized he sucked so one of our that's interesting brad one of our sort of fundamental um barometers maybe you could say for the film experience is the expectation to pay off ratio. Yes. So maybe it's a very important equation. And I guess we should just define that, but your expectations kind of will determine your level of enjoyment of a movie to some degree. If yes. you go in expecting the Godfather or whatever, and it comes in at on a one to ten rating, somewhere between a six and a seven your overall feeling of the movie is you're disappointed in the movie. But if you go in expecting, you know, The Grifters, which rates about a zero on my scale, yes, yes. and the movie delivers a five, well, you're going to be thrilled, you know? Yeah. That is a middle You'll talk five. about that movie for the next three years, about how, <laughs> right. surprised, how awesome and it was. You'll be trying I to convince people. It was pretty good. You haven't seen this movie? It's freaking great. It's at least a five. You're going to love it. Well, guess what? They're going to hate it. Yeah. So maybe the this, you know, delivering a trailer that is for the movie they wish they made. Maybe that's deliberately playing with our expectations. Right. Well, but maybe in a negative way, right? Maybe if the movie's bad, they should make a trailer that makes the movie look even worse. Well, maybe they should. And then this good movie's gonna get strong word of mouth, <laughs> be a sleeper hit. You know, there you go. If any of you, you know, marketing people in Hollywood are listening, there's your new experiment. So I brought up, uh, you know, the Coen brothers on IMDb mm-hmm. just to make sure we have this chronology correct. And yes, Fargo was the pre- Fargo 1996, okay. Lebowski 98. Right. Previous to Fargo, one we forgot was the Hudsucker Proxy. I mentioned it briefly, but I wasn't sure exactly yeah. what year it was. Yeah. Hudsucker Proxy, 94? Barton Fink. This is reverse chronological. So Lebowski, Fargo, Hudsucker Proxy, Barton Fink, Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, Blood simple. If you, so, if you look at this, The Big Lebowski was the Coen Brothers' eighth feature, mm-hmm. and yeah. it stands in some ways, possibly, at the top of that list. That's pretty um, impressive. Out of those initial eight, uh, possibly, yeah, possibly. I mean, Raising Arizona is a strong candidate. Um, yeah, I, and Fargo I mean, but, is one for the ages, of course, and that seems to be, yes. you know, yeah. public opinion. Yeah. And so, you know, what's weird. Like, so it's funny again talking about like chronology. So, like after Lebowski, so Lebowski was ninety eight in two thousand. Was 
Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Art thou? That was their follow-up to that. Another but to one me, oh, that brother, I hated when I first like, I saw think, it. Yeah. So, well, well, let's come back to that for a second. But I, I think there's like a – to me, there's some weird chronology get. Maybe it's the Lebowski is like the border, right? Because I would say, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And everything after that, I think of as being like modern. That's the modern Coen Brothers. Whereas everything before Lebowski, I think of that's like old school Coen totally, Brothers. Totally. Lebowski, I don't know where it fits in. It's kind of old school, kind of new school. It's kind of it like right on that median. I know? think it was their transition. It's their you know, prime from, meridian. Yeah, that's a good point. I would probably agree with that line of demarcation. Yeah, I just feel like there is a huge. Even though it was only two years, in my mind, yeah, I think there. I feel like there's a huge gap. Between Oh Brother Where Art Thou and Lebowski. Well, if you consider that Big Lebowski is the line, you don't count that. That exists in its own uh, space between two points. But the two points are Oh Brother Where Art Thou and Fargo then. So if you consider the difference between Fargo and Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Big Lebowski being the line between them, it's almost mind-boggling. So, so I'm going to, okay, we're getting a little off topic. We're getting a little yeah. off topic. But, but I got to ask you, have you seen Burn After Reading? Because I'm just looking at this, you know, about this uh, Coen Brothers from I Mother have Theater. seen Burn After Reading. You know, I felt like, so that movie I don't think got a whole lot of play. I thought it was pretty Dude, entertaining. I, I thought it was pretty good. I came away from that entertaining. I kind of felt like they were trying to, in a lot of ways, rekindle the Lebowski magic in a way yeah. with that one. You know, like they it's were. different than Lebowski, but they were trying to get this kind of like weird non sequitur story. You know, um, in some ways, George Clooney is their muse. You know, a lot of time, oh brother, where art thou? Burn after reading. They they come back to him to sort of reinvent or rekindle something. Yep. And I thought he was an odd choice. Cruelty, which I haven't actually seen. I liked it. I'm not going to lie to you. I liked it. Was and that? I, I liked so it first time. So was that actually like a full-on like Coen Brothers movie? Full-on Coen Brothers movie, I think. Screenplay. Yeah, and director, Joel Coen. So, it's pretty decent. Yeah, to me, that was weird. Because, like, see, again, talking about how films are advertised, like, to me, it just looked like this is some, I don't know, romantic comedy kind of thing. I was like, it, nothing would ever do on my radar. And I'm like, oh, it's Coen Brothers. Like, really? Well, that's what it was. Huh. It was a romantic comedy. But if you think about the Coen Brothers' work, they're, they're genre hoppers, you know? Yes. That's part of are. their game is to just do a completely oh, true grit Western. Yeah. Let's do a Western now. Great right. movie. And, and again, their, uh, their reunification with the dude, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Indeed. That. Indeed. So, you know, again, talking about them being um, genre hoppers, that brings me back to something you said earlier about how, you know, the marketing, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. You know, there's even elements of the Western in Lebowski with the with the stranger, the narrator, right? Which, again, right. talking about these first 60 seconds, he, that's pretty much what we got here is him. You know, I think that that's something they definitely did here in this in this film, um, you know, is, is play with those expectations, you know, and try to, and it goes in so many different directions in terms of, Oh, the comedy drama, you know, even again, if you look at, so, you know, if we're going to talk about the first 60 seconds, I think we have to talk about the titles that come up. All and right. If you look at the, the fonts used, right. They, again, it's a mishmash of fonts there. You see, Polygram um, Filmed Entertainment yeah, presents. Polygram, 
And so the Polygram Film Entertainment is kind of this old time, right. like Western, sort of kind of Western. I don't know. I don't know what that really is. Like Western, for some reason, it makes me think of like the Entertainer, like the song Scott <laughs> Joplin. You know, like that. Right. I, f- I don't know why. I don't know. But yeah. But then it says presents, and that's like from the fifties. Right. Fifties like sort of. Yeah. Chrome with the gradient going up and down it, so it looks like this metallic, like quasi-metallic yeah. material. It is a mishmash, and it's this film is a mishmash, almost of all the genres. It's like they said, "Let's make a movie where we we just do all our favorite shit." Yeah, it doesn't have it's, to make sense necessarily. It can be a bowling movie and a western and a heist movie all together. Yeah, and and one of the things that I think might draw people to this is like that's life, right? <laughs> right. Life is right. this weird cocktail of all kinds of random stuff all thrown together at once. That you, we all struggle to make sense of, right? And I think that I think as we struggle to make sense of this movie, the characters are struggling to make sense of the events in this movie just as much as we are. Really, <laughs> yes, and, yes. You know, it's that's, so I think that's what true. resonates so much with so many people. It's so true. And we started talking about the music that came in, um, and it's this uh, this old timey music. What is it? It is. Um, Tumbling Tumbleweeds by Sons of the Pioneers. Tumbling Tumbleweeds by Sons of the Pioneers. So, okay. And again, if you were expecting a stoner bowling movie or some kind of heist film, and it starts with desert scrub brush with western font teamed up with some chrome-like 50s font with Tumbling Tumbleweeds coming in, what are you expecting now? See them tumbling down are the first lyrics we see as we track across the brush. A working title production, keeping with the chrome and old western stuff. Now, I'm assuming that there is geography like this just outside Los Angeles. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's really a topic for the second episode when we get into the second minute of Lebowski. But true, that's so true. So a little spoiler alert, right? We're really right outside of Los Angeles. The camera tracks along this, and we'd have to—I guess we'd have to reanalyze if there's any cuts. But eventually, yes, you're right out. We're right outside of Los Angeles here, really. And um, you know, the cam- the camera continues the track, and you see the city. So let's uh, let's play this a little bit, and just I want you to watch the lighting here for this first shot where we're tracking along the scrub brush. Um, what time of day now? Would you say it is? We've. I'm on a working title production. Yeah, I no, I see exactly what you're talking about. What time of day um, is it? Yeah, well, it's, it's daytime. Okay. But not for much longer. I Morning? Just Evening? Here, let's go ahead and keep playing and watch what happens. Yeah. yeah I, Way out west, there was this fella. So, it, you know, Sam Elliott as the stranger comes in so now all of a sudden again stoner bowling movie heist movie and now it's a western i remember very clearly when i heard sam because i recognized sam elliott's voice immediately when he started talking i'm like now all of a sudden it's some kind of crazy western that I'm wa- are we am I about to watch a western? And how does bowling? Did they have bowling in the old west? 
How is this going to work? Maybe it's a sort of how they invented ball. Like it's an <laughs> apocryphal story, right? Or it's a time travel piece, oh. you know? Yeah. A crazy cowboy ends up in a bowling alley in the 1990s. Right. Which actually is what happens in the movie. <laughs> that is right? true. That actually does happen. <laughs> I can't deal with that right now. So, so, but, so let's go back to this lighting question, though. Because now that you brought it up, I've noticed it. Look at it. So keep going. And all of a sudden. Yeah, it's evening. So I was so as I was talking about how we get into minute two and we eventually see the city of Los Angeles, I was thinking, what? It's nighttime. Because you see the it's at that point. Yeah, nighttime. And I was like, but we're not at night because my screen was paused at the beginning. And I'm like, well, it's not nighttime. My brain was was a little confused. But yeah, I, I see exactly. So, from a production standpoint, did they shoot this scene at night, or did they shoot it day for night? I'm kind of of the opinion they shot it... I think they shot it night for day. I think they shot it night for day, and that first section, they just lit that, and then tracked out of that pool of light right. into the nighttime. Right. Or they racked the aperture, I don't know. Is that even the right thing? I think you can rack focus. Can you rack aperture? You can rack your the, aperture, but... Is that the right terminology? Stop down. I don't... Stop down, yeah. I don't know if that... Or open up, close down, but I don't yeah. think they're doing that because there are slashes of light when we first see picture, polygram filmed right. entertainment. There are slashes of light cutting across these husks of grass. And then right. as we keep going... The well, slashes yeah. of light are no longer there. So if well, they were lighting the as, whole thing and stopping dark, down. As it gets dark, there are still these weird little, like, light on the tops glimmers of the... that, that come through, right? It's kind of magical. It's kind of like, I don't, I don't know, like, it reminds me of, like, if you're, like, underwater, you might see these weird, like, light ripples, like, on the bottom of the pool or something like that. I don't know. I'm a, well, you know, a lighting expert, so I don't know the terms for these things, but it's, it's well, interesting. What I notice is that when we first start, the light is very clearly from, although yes, it's like the sun is setting, it's still somewhat high in the sky because we can see the shadows streaking across the ground. But as we move into the nighttime portion of the shot, and this might be what you're picking up on, only the tops, the very tops of the grass mounds are lit. Is so it? I think they designed the lighting and they had this area that was lit to look like it was daytime, but then they designed the lighting so the lights get lower and lower, like closer and closer to the ground, so they would light less and less of the ground until they actually moved out of the entire lit area altogether and they were just in a place that the lighting didn't touch, if that makes sense. Yeah. They were mimicking the sun setting, is another right. way to well, put it. Well, what I was going to say is, is it possible that it was actually the sunset? They just filmed it at the actual sun. As the sun, like, peaked maybe behind, like, uh, a mountain or some kind of feature, right? I the sun actually went, Boop. I don't think and so, you know, because... You have the golden lighting there when it starts. Because they would have had to do some sort of time lapse for that. And if you look at second 45, mm -hmm. uh, we go past a little piece of grass that 
It's like a little piece of wind or something was hitting it, and it's moving in a way that simulates natural motion. And that would have, you wouldn't have had that because oh. they would have had to do stop motion. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So it's clearly a design. Well, they, they might not have done stop motion. They could have done, yeah, it would have been like stop. Well, you know, I'm looking at these movements, all right? And again, it's hard to say. Looking at, the, again, it's streaming on Netflix. Yeah. That's the version I'm using. To me, these movements don't seem all that natural if you really scrutinize them. They're not they that seem natural. They a little weird, a little like herky jerky. Herky jerky, totally herky jerky. But that's, so that's the camera. That's the camera movement, though. Look at the, the blades of the grass. No, I don't mean the camera movement. I don't mean the judder from the pan. I mean the actual blades of grass. They're kind of like. They, they move in a weird way. They kind of. I'm, I'm I looking know, for it. I don't know. I don't know. There's that that one at 45 seconds really sells me on the fact that they designed that lighting effect and it wasn't natural. All right. And and think about that. If if it was natural indeed, then you get one chance per day to do this shot. So your second unit is out there doing all these shots, doing all these shots. They got to pray for sunshine, pray for a perfect sunset, and then set up this track and do this once a day, unless they nailed it the first time. What are the odds of that? Yeah, hard to say. Hard to say. I just know if I was shooting this, I would want the maximum amount of control. And it's not a wide shot, you know, so we're not seeing landscape and things in the distance. It's very, what, three feet across? So it is something that you could control fairly easily. And I think it would be easier to design that lighting scheme than to let nature take its course and try to capture it. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right, just from sanity's point of view. <laughs> but I don't know. I, sometimes filmmakers can be insane. Well, sometimes yeah, they can. I, I, if I had to place money, what I would want to do is see maybe a better quality copy and look at the movement of this grass. It's the thing that'll that'll let you know. I think that's going to yeah. be the indicator. It's, it's all in that grass movement. But you're right. When you're watching it streaming, you don't know. It's hard to tell because we're looking at so we're trying to look at some real subtle movements here. Right. So where's the herky jerkiness coming from? Is it the streaming? Is it my connection? Is it uh, pixelization on yeah, the screen? Yeah. Is it just the know? frame rate? Like what? Are, right. What is the frame rate of this? Right. They know? shot 24. This is 29 now, and then streaming over the internet, and who knows? Yeah. Speaking of which, I hate 60 frames a second. Now, why? But why do you say that? that? There's more information. There's more information. All I know. So let me clarify what I mean. If you get a modern TV that can go at 60 hertz mm -hmm. or 120 hertz, and you watch a f something that you're used to watching that was shot on film, let's say, like The Big Lebowski, you try to watch that at, at 60 or 120 hertz, it, for some reason, it looks like a soap opera. It looks like it was shot on a VHS video camera. That made me a little sad and dead inside. I don't know why it does. Maybe stuff shot on it at that frame rate to start with doesn't have that problem i just know on my televisions that have those high frame rates i turn them off if i'm going to watch a a movie like a motion picture that i would traditionally think of as a film 
I can't watch it that way. It just it destroys it somehow completely, and it's a bizarre. Well, at least that's a setting that you can control. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not something native to that frame rate because Peter Jackson's shooting The Hobbit in sixty frames. I don't know. We'll see. And well, the same thing is with my my camera. So I have a Sony Next Five N, a little um, you know small digital camera. It has uh, well, so it's a, it's a compact camera, but it has an APS-C size sensor. So the same sensor you'd find in like uh, you know consumer SLR cameras. Mm-hmm. And it can shoot video, and I can sh- shoot it at 60 frames a second, or I could shoot it at 24 frames a second. And you shoot at 24. I sh- if I shoot at 24, I'm like, wow, this looks like film. Right. right. I think it, you showed looks- me some of that. It looked yeah. awesome. And if I shoot at 60 frames a second, it's like, this looks like really high-quality video. It's <laughs> Day- psychological. Days of our lives. It's psychological It's somehow. an expectation thing, then. But I just prefer, maybe just because I'm old school, I grew up before all this digital mumbo-jumbo. I just want 24 frames a second. To my mind, that's like quality. It's a, the, the digital natives won't have that expectation, probably. Maybe not. But We're slowly like, turning into old farts. Yeah, but if you look at something like, uh, <laughs> like the popularity of like Instagram, right, what does that do? That takes your nice, shiny digital camera. And turns it shitty. <laughs> and turns it shitty, but yet right. it looks better. You know what I mean? So ah. it's a similar phenomenon. I, I would know. argue that it looks better. I don't know. I don't think it does, but. I mean, and I th- I'm sure there's lots, lot, there's lots of, uh, you know, there's lots of the factors that go into it. Like I said, maybe if it's shot natively at that frame rate, it's good. Maybe that's something to do with, like, upping the frame rate. I don't know. Yeah, it better not be natively shitty because I'll be supremely disappointed. You're, you're just going to have to, like, burn all your hard drives, <laughs> all the footage you shot. <laughs> but So you're watching it on your TV that has a setting for that higher frame rate, but is, what media is it? Or is it something that you're streaming? Is it a Blu-ray or um, is it like a broadcast? It's... Or just off your camera, you're just connecting your camera. I can think of in my head right now are things that I have streamed off Netflix. Okay. I and can't th- say that I have not done it with a Blu-ray disc as well and noticed the same thing. I know doing the demos in like the your local electronics store. Yeah. It's very noticeable there as well. But who knows what they're doing, you know, I don't trust, they jack everything up on those TVs. Yeah. So there's more variables then because you're streaming it uh, via Netflix. True, true We'll we'll hold judgment on that. I will say it's not just me. If you were to Google this, you'll find many people debating this exact issue. Indeed. I've seen the arguments, but I think we'll be okay. I think we're going to be okay. And soon we'll find the Coen brothers shooting their next epic 60 frames and we'll think it's great hopefully or we'll think it looks like inland empire <laughs> that's my going back to inland empire that's my big problem with that it looks like it was shot on a sony handycam from 1998 so well, that's what it looks like to me well it basically was you know yeah the the, the whites get totally blown out it's totally like, blown out like a real lot there's like no fidelity there okay think of 22 the last movie now, I think that has a look that is matched by a few things I've shot. And I we, agree with that. We shot yeah, that man. with a VHS camcorder. 
It's because of 15 frames a second, though. So, <laughs> so going back to the old in days. In post, you mean? Yes. In 19. <laughs> so, so we're talking about, you know, shooting some, some video projects back in our college days. We did a thing where, um, so that was kind of my first experience with this because I was used to doing everything on VHS tape and editing in a well, somewhat lin- linear fashion. Yeah, linear, tape to tape, tape, basically, somehow. So my first experience using something uh, a little nonlinear was this, you know, uh, Avid. It was some kind of consumer version. It's called Avid Cinema. Avid, Avid Cinema, right? It was in the computer lab at our alma mater. And we put in what I first noticed is I'd ingest the videotape into that, edit it, and shoot it back out to, v- to the videotape. It looked so much better. It looked better than Just, it did going in. Yes. The colors... <laughs> And I think, again, there was something about the frame rate. Like, it almost, not always, like, if the lighting was good, it was almost, like, passable as, I don't want to say as film, but it was it was just so much better. Not as film, Somehow. but as something you would see on broadcast television, for instance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not the CSI version of broadcast television, but the step the down local, from that. Yeah. Yeah. Or regional, local. even, you know. Mm-hmm. So, that's, we, okay. So we've digressed <laughs> here. Let's reel it back in. So we've we so let's talk about the stranger right in his narration. Mm-hmm. He starts out way out west. Way out west. There's this fella. Yeah. Classic, sort of cowboy mentality. And again, it's it's hard. You know, we're doing just minute by minute, so it's hard not to reference forward, especially during the first minute, because I imagine as we get into it, we'll reference back to previous minutes. We're, you try to keep it all in that sixty seconds, but. The dude is just another version of the stranger. He's just a more complacent, lackadaisical version of the stranger. They're both cowboys and drifters, in a way. In the same way that we're going to see in the next 60 seconds, there's another sort of visual kind of motif they use to indicate this, this drifting quality that the dude has, as well as the stranger. So... I'm going to just, you know, maybe blow things up a little bit, go big picture, kind of, you know, zoom out here. But the dude, right? The name, the dude, <laughs> you know. Stupid name. What, what, what's the meaning behind that, right? The dude. So what's, uh, what's the actual line? Does the name. Yeah, it's a name where I come from. No one would self-apply. Yeah. And the dude did self-apply it. What does it mean? Well, it. First of all, it's a name that fourth and fifth graders were calling each other in the 80s and early 90s. And as a grown man of 40-something, you wouldn't call yourself the dude, the dude right. you know, or yeah, Dudorino well, if you're not into the whole brevity that. thing. Yeah, he predates that, <laughs> right? So, you know, the movie... You know, it takes place in the. It's early a period 90s. piece. It's a period piece. Yeah, it's a period piece of seven years. <laughs> right, of seven years, out, but, right? But yeah, it's a period piece, and again, it's you know, so so he so Lebowski stoner bowling movie period piece in, western. Yeah, yeah, he you know he came up in the '60s though, really. Right, right. He was roadie from Metallica, so, Speed of where, Sound tour. Yeah, so where does where does <laughs> yeah, where does the uh, yeah, where does the name dude fit into that? 
you know, to that time period. I, I have no idea. We should have done some research before uh, recording this podcast. But. You know, that might be a good idea. That's uh, I didn't consider that. <laughs> we should do that next time. This Lebowski, he called himself the dude. Now, dude. And the, one minute ends with the stranger saying, now, dude, which is kind of perfect. It's a nice breaking point. Yeah. He's about, it, it's a little cliffhanger, you know, it leaves you wanting some more. Like, we're about to find out more about this dude character that this stranger character is telling us as we track across scrub brush and desert that oddly goes from daytime to nighttime. Yes, and you know, to be honest, the whole daytime to nighttime thing, didn't notice it till this conversation right now. Me either. This I, is, I'd never seen it this before. This adventure we are embarking on, producing a minute-by-minute analysis of Lebowski is going a to... A deep cast, if you will. A deep cast, yeah. It it's, might be one of the most significant educational experiences of my life. I feel like I should have probably mentioned this sooner, but I don't know if you can hear that. I can. What do you think I might be drinking? I'm going to guess you have one of those Caucasians in there. <laughs> yes, there it is. I will be completely honest, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, but I figured if I'm going to do a minute-by-minute minute deep analysis of the Big Lebowski, I'm going to be drinking a Caucasian. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. Next time, maybe I'll get an oat soda, but I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, so are we ready to wrap this up then? I mean, I think that's about all I can squeeze from it. Now, when we do our frame-by-frame analysis, I'm sure we can get into those blades of grass and their movement. And, you know, there might be some footprints in this sand here, dirt, that we could try to see. Is there male, female, how many tracks, animal, who knows? So we can try to look into this question a little more. Maybe we could start the next episode with a little backtrack, you know, what exactly happens here with the lighting in that scene. Yeah, I'll do a little bit of research on into the into the next one. Maybe we can get you know we'll do a little recap. Joel Cohen on the phone. <laughs> well, and there's we can shed shed some light. <laughs> I'll, see, uh, I'll see what I can do about that. But there's enthusiasts abound, so we could always have a guest a guest analyst on if we yeah, if we had to. Yeah. Maybe a lighting I expert. I think going forward, that could make a lot of sense, right? For particular episodes, bring experts in particular aspects. Um, on to consult with. Yeah, maybe I'll try to get uh, a filmmaker. I don't know if I could get Joel or Ethan, but somebody to make a comment on the uh, production side of that whole day-to-night lighting thing. All right, well, Adam. Okay, my friend. Let's pull the plug on this this uh, turkey. It's been uh, it's been a fine adventure, and it's it, only beginning. <laughs> it has been as well. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the next one. All right. I will see you then, my friend. All right. Later. Later. Beep. Done. Next time on Gutter Balls. I guess I've seen something every bit as stupefying as you'd see in any of those other places. I mean, to be honest, in the whole movie, I think The Stranger is probably the most confounding thing to me. 